Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. So we're in Ecclesiastes tonight, and Ecclesiastes is um, it's a part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. Um, traditionally, it's understood to be written by Solomon, although it doesn't specifically say that Solomon wrote it. Um, the author calls himself the preacher. Um, and he calls himself also the son of David. And that's one reason why we get the idea that it, maybe it was Solomon. Um, And he also talks about having more wisdom than anybody that was before him. Now, on one hand, um, if he was the wisest one who had ever been before him, then Solomon seems to fit. Yet, the fact is, there weren't any kings before him except for his father David and then Saul. So there wouldn't be very many. That wouldn't be very impressive. So we don't really know for sure who wrote it, um, but it seems like Solomon may be... A good guess. We'll treat it as though it's anonymous. Um, And Solomon, or Koheleth, that's the name in Hebrew, the the preacher, he is reflecting on life after having tried all kinds of things. He's tried pleasure. He's tried having all kinds of money. He's tried women. He's tried all kinds of things to find out what makes life meaningful. And he says, everything that he's tried has just been vanity. It's just been empty. It's left him empty. We often can relate to that in our society today. Um, We often hear about people who may have reached it to the height of their field, and yet they're just not happy. They may leave what they're doing, what they've been preparing to do, to go do a different career because they're just not satisfied in what they've been doing. Um, There's a song uh, that I think reflects a little bit of this. Um, Casting Crowns is the group that did it, called American Dream. All work, no play may have made Jack a dull boy, but all work, no God has left Jack with a lost soul. But he's moving on full steam. He's chasing the American dream and he's going to give his family the finer things. Not this time, son. I've no time to waste. Maybe tomorrow I'll have time to play. Then he slips into his new BMW. And drives farther and farther and farther away. Because he works all day and tries to sleep at night. He says things will get better. Better in time. So he works and he builds with his own two hands and he pours all he has in a castle made with sand. But the wind and the rain are coming crashing in and time will tell just how long his kingdom stands. Well, his American dream is beginning to seem more and more like a nightmare with every passing day. Daddy, can you come to my game? Oh, baby, please don't work late. Another wasted weekend, and they're slipping away because he works all day and lies awake at night. He tells himself things are getting better, 
just take a little more time. He used to say, Whatever, whoever dies with the most toys wins. But if he loses his soul, what has he gained in the end? I'll take a shack on a rock over a castle in the sand. Now he works all day and he cries alone at night. It's not getting any better. Looks like he's running out of time. The desire for the accumulation of wealth is never satisfied. And uh, we see that in that song. We see something that Jesus taught. It's reflected in what uh, Jane read from the Gospel of Luke, how Jesus taught about the farmer who, who, who has a plentiful crop and he builds bigger barns, and nothing against that. <laughs> builds bigger barns and, and the Lord tells him, you fool, you, your life is required of you this night, and then who's going to have all that? It's gone. It's a vapor. Let's read our text from Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by the toil which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuit the wind returns. All the streams run into the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It's already been in the ages before us. There's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who have come after. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, we pray that You would help us to gain wisdom and insight from Your Word. Father, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would help us to see the truth that's here. That apart from you, there is no real meaning in life. But with you, our labor is not in vain. Father, we pray that you would be with me as I preach. I pray that you would give me grace and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. The words of the preacher. Um, the word preacher there. Just a, a little bit about the text here. He keeps calling himself the preacher through this um, book. And the Jewish synagogue and Jewish worship wasn't really 
organized like what what we have, but they did have preaching. Um, I know I know that we have uh, in the story of Nehemiah and Ezra, where um, I think Nehemiah was got up and he stood up, and all the people stood up, and he read the word and he explained what the word meant. Um, the word there, uh, and it's actually why we call the book Ecclesiastes. Uh, Ecclesiastes, um, you might be familiar with like the term ecclesiastical, uh, meaning church-related. And, and you think of Ecclesiastes and the message that we see in this about vanity of vanities, all is vanities, and we kind of think, what does that have to do with the church? Well, it's because of this name, the preacher. The, the word there, it's the word for the congregation, except it's turned into a, 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 a vocational word because of the way they put all the vowels and everything. So basically, it's the guy who's presiding over the congregation. And so he calls himself that, the guy who's presiding over the congregation, the preacher. He calls himself the son of David. And this is a significant term. Um, David, uh, Solomon, of course, was the son of David, but it's also one of the few terms we see in the wisdom literature that's messianically related. Um, David was promised that he would have a son that would sit on his throne forever and ever and ever. We have, uh, and, and when we come to the New Testament, we see... Um, Jesus is called the son of David. All of that line of kings, of the, of the kings of Judah, were all sons of David. And, and there was a, a promise of a messianic king who would come, who would be the son of David. And while, of course, time-wise, this was not written down physically by Jesus, we know that Jesus is God Himself. That, that He was the Word made flesh. That, that the, uh, Peter tells us that the prophets long ago uh, wrote of the things that the Spirit was telling them about the Christ that was to suffer. And so God Himself, when, when, we, when we talk about what Jesus says, we don't just point to the red letters of our Bibles when we have those red letter editions and say, well, this is what Jesus said, but that was what Paul said. No, if Jesus is God Himself, and if this is God's Word, then all of it should be red letters. All of it is the words of Jesus. Now, I think it's significant to point that out when we read this. These are the words of the preacher, the son of David. There is a sense in which Jesus is saying these things to us. First thing he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The word there for vanity, um, I don't really want to get into saying Hebrew words and everything, but it's actually the name, the same word as the name for Abel. Abel, think about that. He's... He's the second person born of Eve, Abel. And he lived for a little while with his brother Cain until his... We don't read very much about Abel, right? He lived a short life and he was snuffed out by his brother. 
And his life was fleeting. It was over. It was quick. Just a breath that passes. The word literally means breath. Um, and it's, it's got the idea of emptiness, weightlessness, vapor. Uh, in the um, New Testament, we, we read of, of how life is like a vapor. It's just here one minute and it's gone the next. You can go outside and you can breathe in the cold and the vapor comes out of your mouth and it's gone. And you can't grasp at it. As much as you try, you can't get a hold of it. It's just gone. Life is like that vapor. And the preacher here is saying, vanity of vanities, all is vanities. Emptiness, meaninglessness, all is vanity, he says. Now that sounds really encouraging, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound encouraging? No. (laughs) Then he asks the question, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? That's a key word here in the book of Ecclesiastes, under the sun. That, that phrase there is used 29 times in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes. When we read that, those words, under the sun, it is a contrast. It's talking about just the material world. It's talking about life apart from God. So whenever he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. There's there's no profit for all the work that we do under the sun he's talking about apart from God. And and that's you know consistent I think with with what philosophers will say. Um, we have the 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 materialistic worldview that that uh, reigns in our in our in science today, where basically we. People believe that all there is is matter, and all of the um, everything else is just an illusion. It's just chemicals going around in our brain. There's nothing really more than just matter. And if that's true, it's just meaningless. There's no real meaning. We assign that because of our, according to evolutionary biologists, because of our, we've just been trained through biology to see meaning where. It doesn't really exist. And the philosopher Nietzsche, he said, God is dead. That's what he said. He said, we have grown beyond our need for a God concept and now man can just live without God. And you see what that brought in the 20th century with more wars and killing So the preacher asks, what does it man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? The question he's asking is, what profit is there? I'm working, I'm working. All my life I toil and toil and sweat. What am I going to gain for that? What am I going to gain for that? The word toil there, it also ought to remind us back earlier in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, when the curse is placed on the ground because of the sin of of, uh, 
partaking of the forbidden fruit. He says, you know, by your sweat, by the sweat of your brow, you will labor and toil. And when we see that that uh, phrase, what does man gain by the toil at which he toils under the sun? We think of the frustration of the curse that the earth is under. We, we toil and we sweat and we labor and we're frustrated in all of those things because sin entered into the world. He illustrates then the, the meaninglessness that he sees in life. He says, a generation goes and a generation comes but the earth remains forever. He says probably what is the opposite of the order that we might expect. We might expect him to say, a generation comes along, and then it's gone, emphasizing the brevity. But here he says, a generation goes, and a generation comes. Here he's talking about the replacement of another generation. A generation comes, or a generation goes, and another generation comes. Touch talking about the futility that seems to be there. What's going to last? This generation's going to be gone, and another one's going to come. But he says the earth remains forever. The sun rises and it goes down and it hastens to the place where it rises. He has the picture, you can just kind of imagine it, the sun rising and then setting to where you can't see it anymore. And, it, and the, the idea is it, it hurries along under the earth until it gets to the other side and then rises back again. And you just continue that same cycle over and over again, over and over again. And you wonder, where's the meaning in all this? Where's the meaning in all of this? And then he says, the wind blows to the south and then goes to the north and then all around and around the wind goes and it's on its circuit, the wind returns. Just like the sun goes round and round the earth. Wait a minute. Ha! I just said that wrong. It appeared to them, but you know, we know we go around the sun. I'm sorry. Um... Just like the course that we see of nature, uh, the wind is similar. It just it, it's, was windy a few days ago. It's not windy right now, but it's going to come again. We keep having this, the course of the, the, the nature just keeps continuing to go on and on and on in the same cycle. You know, if, if you don't like the weather today, go inside for a few minutes, come back out, and it'll be different, right? <laughs> And all the streams run into the sea, but the sea is not full. It's got that same futility that, it, that, that it's emphasizing here. All the water, it's just it's running down the stream, running down the stream. It finally gets to the sea, and the sea just never fills up. Kind of like man's labor. You get up, you do the same thing again that you did the last time. You get up, you do the same thing again that you did before. The water runs to the sea, and the sea never gets full. And he says, to the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All the things, 
All things are full of weariness. Man cannot utter it. He contemplates that and he's just saying, the, the mouth of man is just stopped. You just can't speak to think of how it just continues to be like this cycle of repetitiveness that just never seems to end. He says, the eye is not satisfied with seeing. We can just take it in, take it in. We, we see all the different sights and we, we always want to see more. And the ear is not satisfied with hearing. It's never filled up. And then he says, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be, do, what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. A lot of times we, you know, we politics and things like that, we think, well, this is a new idea. This is a new, fresh idea. No, it's been done before. We think of, there's different changes. And of course, we're, we're not repeating history all the time over again, literally. But the ideas and, and we're just going to lead to another war again. We've had wars now that we are fighting and there was wars 200 years ago. There was wars a thousand years ago. And we just, we just keep running into the same things. When we think about materialism, the reigning worldview of scientific people today. All things are, it's just matter. There's, you know what? The Greeks had that idea. The Greeks had the same idea. that Everything was just matter. There's nothing new under the sun. He says, Is there a thing of which it is said, See, this is new? It's already been done in the ages before. We think we're all scientific and um, sophisticated today because of our theories of how the world works, but we're just still small. We just have... A, such an insignificant amount of knowledge about all things, about the world. And really our dot ideas have precursors that we can find in the ancient world. He says, There is no remembrance of the former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Um, this was kind of brought home to me a few years ago. I was teaching at a private Christian school. And I happened to, as I was teaching the students, I happened to mention Billy Graham. And then the kids were fifth and sixth grade, and they asked me, who's Billy Graham? He was still alive at the time. Me, I mean, to think, I, I grew up knowing who that was. <laughs> we think of who's famous today? Who's Known, and everybody would know who that person is. A generation comes, a generation goes. Those people aren't going to be remembered. Nobody's going to remember who Justin Timberlake was a hundred years from now. 
So, what are we to do with this? It seems kind of depressing, doesn't it? It seems kind of... How do you face that? The futility, the vanity, the emptiness that the preacher is talking about. Remember, he says, under the sun. Apart from God, there's no meaning to our meaningless, insignificant lives. But we have a promise. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, remember, those who labor in the Lord do not labor in vain. The fact is, Ecclesiastes doesn't really know much about any kind of a resurrection from the bo- of the body. It, it talks later about how we all go to the same place. Basically, the rich and the poor, the fool and the wise men all go to the same place. They go to the grave. They're not talking about heaven and hell. They're talking about the grave. But we know more. We know, we have the New Testament. We know that Jesus beat death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Our labor is not in vain because Jesus rose from the dead. And there is real meaning in our life. And God is a God who is a moral God who judges us. And we will one day stand in judgment for everything we do. There is real meaning to life. When we get to the end of Ecclesiastes, he says man's duty is to fear God. Ecclesiastes doesn't end with these verses. All they, while it seems depressing at first, remember he's saying, under the sun, apart from God, it's all meaningless. But Jesus brings meaning to our lives. We're not just a bunch of atoms rolling around in the universe aimlessly at random chance. We're not our emotions, the love that we feel within our families for our our loved ones is not just a bunch of chemical reactions in our brains. But it's real because, and we can know it's real because Jesus rose from the dead. And just like the passage that Jane read, the fool who had built his bigger barns just trying to accumulate more stuff for himself, he was told, don't you know your life would be required of you tonight? He's going to stand in judgment. The fact that we're going to stand before God one day in judgment is one of the things that brings meaning to our lives. If we could just go off and it didn't really matter what we did, If we weren't going to stand before God one day, it would all seem kind of meaningless. But the fact that God is a righteous and holy God, and we will all one day give an account, that brings meaning too to our lives. I think I've shared enough. I don't want us to be depressed by <laughs> Ecclesiastes. I didn't, I didn't come to this for that. But I want us to confront the prevailing worldview out there 
that all there is. I mean, what else can help in a world where people overdose of heroin? Why do people use heroin? Why do people use drugs? Because they think the world, the life is just meaningless, it's empty, it doesn't matter what I do. And they're just wanting to escape the meaninglessness of it all. But Jesus brings meaning, brings hope, and a reason not to just throw our lives away. And I I see this as giving us some real hope. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.